free day to use any and all of your sound effects. Mine lies attached to a bookshelf. <laughs> You're not going to blockchain this stuff, are you? Exactly what I'm going to do. Cash yeah. in. So you must have the biggest USB splitter in your system. So it started with one deck and then I thought of new ideas to use it and then I plugged it into my laptop, number four into the laptop and it said, I don't have enough USB resources. There are quite a few sound clips on here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring in the sound effects, that's the only way to keep keeping going. <laughs> this is my newest one. Oh, that's good. <laughs> or the intro horn, like introducing Ryan. That's what you need to sound more exciting, Ryan. Oh, cheers. Thanks, <laughs> I have the tech company stuff. Three months of full-time startup program. And I obviously have the practice. I work with around 50 different clients in different capacities. Well, a DJ. I am a qualified yoga instructor. When well, do you sleep? Ryan's only got one sound effect. That's a creaky chair. You're actually quite well lit in today, Ryan. I'm really happy. A, nice yeah, illuminated yeah. sheen to you. Lovely. I think it's partially said. <laughs> <laughs> John, perfect. Well done. Thanks. Not wearing a branded top today. Good job. I've got my RX top on again, actually. Take take your top off so I can just take. <laughs> come on, take, take your top, top off. off. I'm not doing that again for you. Not on video. <laughs> anyway. Not on video. Maybe I am in the council industry, and I'm also a DJ in spare time, right? <laughs> <laughs> Slightly rogue ones on here, like yes, this. I've enjoyed the old doobie. That I probably shouldn't be pressing. I'll try not to swear as much in this podcast. Doesn't need to be perfect. People like imperfection, don't they? I think. I hope. That's why they like the podcast. Okay, hi, welcome to Digitals in the Cruel World, uh, the original and fastest growing podcast which explores the world of tech, apps, and digital adoption in the accounting and business world. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed our past few episodes. I think we're now up to double digits, which is really exciting. And we'd love you to spread the word. Uh, this is a perfect podcast to share with your friends and family. So don't keep us all to yourself. Spread the love. Share your feedback with us on the website or on LinkedIn. And make sure you subscribe to the show and get your friends and colleagues to do the same. By subscribing, it will make sure that you get all the episodes as they drop, as we release them, and you'll have them all uh, waiting on your phone or whatever device you listen to to get hold of them. We're always looking for suggestions and ideas on topics and guests, so please do get in contact with us. Today, we've got really exciting guests. We're going to talk about how you can really take process and how you do your job to the extreme and automate as much as possible so it's really exciting first of all ryan thanks john yeah no the week's going well as indy's pointed out i have a new bit of kit i've got a bright light now that uh, illuminates my very smooth head but no great it was my daughter's first proper christmas where she could enjoy the concept of santa claus so it was a very exciting time um and yeah just back energized back at work now Fab, great. And Indy, did you enjoy pulling something out of Santa's sack for Christmas? My God, I, I never know what's going to come out of your mouth half the time. I did. Thank you for asking. I got myself a brand new coffee machine and I'm really happy with it because I can enjoy some really premium coffees in the morning. So um, that's really good. And I was really excited because I saw that we got a couple more reviews over the month of December. So I was very happy with that. And I just wanted to make mention of them. So Sam JCM said, not many people can make the world of digital accounting amusing, but this team smash it. Lighthearted yet full of really useful insights, which was great. 
and Mrs. BK, who knew accounting tech could be so exciting? Fantastic insight and breakdown of what's happening with all the apps in the market. Cheers. And we also had a few people reach out over Christmas to just get in touch and say that they'd like to come on the show. So we're really thankful for that as well. Awesome. Thanks, Indy. And <clears throat> Dave, our fab guest, do you want to give yourself a quick intro? Tell us how the New Year is treating you. Hey guys, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yes, I'm Dave Selleck. For those that don't know, I run a practice called SIGGROWTH based in London and I work uh, pretty much exclusively with tech e-commerce startups and just startups, generally speaking, has kind of become, I guess, my niche. I'm also working on other tech projects. So um, alongside running the practice, my, my kind of work involves looking at how we can really evolve the way that we deliver to kind of early stage businesses. And that really was my why for setting up Sid Grove, so half my time is actually spent kind of pretty much trying to push the boundaries, innovate and develop a, a kind of blueprint for what I perceive an accounting firm would be to, to, to kind of deliver more to these kind of businesses. And I'm not there yet, which is why the firm is just me currently. When we are there, um, I'll be looking to scale what I do. I also work with some other firms as well to help them implement some of the stuff that I do. Over the Christmas break, uh, I was actually kind of doing a lot more work than perhaps I wanted to. I went to Sri Lanka just before Christmas. So that was kind of my time, my time off. And uh, I actually find it a really nice time to be able to kind of look at those little areas of development and creativity and innovation that maybe I can't do normally because I've got clients sort of on my back. So yeah, it was quite a nice time to sort of move things forward and do more stuff in relation to automation, which is what we're talking about, I guess, today. Super, thanks very much, Dave. And we look forward to hearing the interview later on. So this week on App News, uh, we've seen that Sage have bought their remaining stake in Brightpearl for $226 million, so a big significant chunk of cash uh, to, to invest. Brightpearl, for anyone that doesn't know, is a leading retail operating system with integrations into e-commerce. So uh, as we've seen with, with other acquisitions in the, in the cloud accounting space, this is definitely the direction of travel at the moment is, is e-commerce. So interesting move by Sage. Look forward to seeing how this is integrated into their wider suite. Anybody else got any other news? Yes, so Employment Hero has acquired KeyPay. Um, so those, I guess, you know, that haven't used or come across KeyPay, it's um, a payroll system that's in many different jurisdictions, definitely in the UK, and there's lots of HR systems that bolt on top of it. It kind of powers a lot of um, HR slash payroll services um, and employment hero was one of those it's australian based you don't really see it over in the uk but there are hr solutions over in the, the uk that do utilize keypay so it'd be interesting to see what changes there i've already reached out to to keypay and from what they've said so far it's business as normal they're not expecting anything to change strategically they're still going to partner with who they're partnered with uh, they just have someone else that now owns them Excellent. And also on acquisition news, Zero have been splashing the cash again, and they've purchased Tax Cycle over in Canada about three weeks ago. Um, so this is very similar for, for UK-based accountants of the acquisition of Instafile. Uh, I suppose the key difference really here, though, is that Tax Cycle at the moment is desktop-based, uh, so it's not not a cloud tool at the moment, um, but it's a, it's a Canadian tax compliance tool. Uh, will probably 
I expect you be be brought into the wider zero suite in the same way that like I said that we've got Instafile that's now become zero tax in the UK, also got zero tax in Australia, which was a product that they built themselves. So uh, you know, adding to the compliance suite that zero are trying to build within the, the zero ecosystem. I suppose the, the one really interesting thing will be how they manage this in the long term. You know, will they keep that as a desktop product or, and, and so have some sort of hybrid connection with the rest of the of their cloud tools or will they move it uh, into the cloud and, and you know will that be a painful transition because uh, you know just moving Instafile into to become zero tax in the UK was uh, has been a little bit problematic I think it's fair to say. In similar news uh, Iris have acquired Accountants World also in North America so it seems like something's bubbling in that part of the world. Um, I think Zero had said that the um, startup ecosystem is valued at around $2.7 billion and is on track to grow. So the Iris is just uh, probably slightly different because it's the, the opposite way around. They've acquired something that is very cloud-based. It's an accounting system with payroll, document management, a portal, uh, practice management, and a website building tool. So, um, yeah, standalone, I guess, and and going into the Irish ecosystem. Yeah, I, I, from my understanding of Accountants World, it is the Irish equivalent over in America. So the full kind of suite they've got over in the UK, they're just replicating over in America. Instead of building it themselves, they've just gone, let's buy someone. It's a lot easier. Um, so expanding more globally in what they, they offer. And then something else that had popped up on LinkedIn, uh, Nick Gillespie appointed as director and he's replacing Adrian Blair at Dext. He's not a direct replacement because he is the CFO and he came across from Brandwatch, which is a digital consumer intelligence company. He joined in October 2021 and made director in December 2021. They filed their annual accounts in 2020 and there was some interesting information in there. Um, a lot of different stats in terms of their growth, just over a year old, 282,000 active clients. And there were some stats around the turnover and losses. The most interesting thing was obviously the 3.3 million spent on the purchase of Xavier. And they obviously took a, a large investment from HG of 24 million. The Dex stats were really interesting. I mean, the, the turnover was showing 34 mil, which is up, up almost 20% on the prior losses are still in uh, you know, uh, being incurred, but you know that's down to development uh, and investment in the product. Still, I think what was really interesting was that the HG investment then triggered a payout on on quite a lot of the options and growth shares that were in place within the Dex group. You know, I think the guys when they sold Xavier also held some of those, so it's unclear if that three million purchase then became a little bit more. But uh, we won't know that until those, that information comes out in the fullness of time. I'm sure. Some of their competitors will be looking at those numbers and maybe feeling a bit sniffy, but I think, I think everything looks good. Yeah, cool. Well, I've, I've got a few, well, a couple of small updates on QuickBooks Online. Mistly completely US based at the moment. So over in the US, they have rebranded QuickBooks Cash to QuickBooks Checking, uh, mostly because no one knew what QuickBooks Cash meant for what they were doing. And they've also released invoice financing via QuickBooks Capital. Now, I've mentioned these, they're not going to have any impact on the UK market, but what I guess is slightly frustrating is there's a lot of development going on in the US version of QuickBooks, but the UK update page is still showing the spring update from 2021. They have still not updated that page since then. 
and they did a, a webinar announcement about three months ago and there wasn't much of interest in there either so i think what would be really helpful is if we've got any quickbooks online heavy users and um, it'd be really good to get them on the show and really delve into how they've found the product develop or not develop over the last year or so because we've i've not seen much come out at least in the announcement yeah we know that quickbooks desktop is you know coming to the end of its life in the uk so you know you'd expect for for intuit to think that the natural direction of travel will be that they would upgrade to quickbooks online but if they're not providing any key updates to the uk market that's um it's a little bit disappointing um, well it's it's either they're not or they're just really bad at telling people what they're they're updating um and that's why i think it'd be really good to get someone on the show so if you are uh, listening you are a heavy user of quickbooks please reach out to us maybe great to get you on and one other thing jesus what is with the americans still hanging on to checks i mean that is so like 19th century isn't it uh, yeah, but you love open banking, mate. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I know open banking, um, it's it's great to see that uh, they've just recently celebrated their fourth year milestone in the UK. Some really fascinating stats. So showing now four and a half million active users of open banking products, 3.9 million of those are individuals. And, and that's indicative of how open banking was was uh, initially focused, which, which was on the consumer model. Uh, and then another 0.6 million of those are SMEs using products. And I think that that one stat in particular is quite interesting. So there's approximately, what, 6 million SMEs in the UK in total. So if we've got 0.6 million of those using um, an open banking product, is that an indication that maybe our cloud accounting penetration isn't as wide as we thought it was? I know we tend to hear stats of around about 20% of businesses are using cloud accounting, but I would imagine that you know, if 20% of businesses are using cloud accounting, then they should be using a bank feed, which means they're using open banking, and we're only seeing 10% using open banking. So there's a bit of a discrepancy there between what we're being told on, on one hand and what we're seeing in the stats here from, from the open banking team. And these stats are you know pretty much up to date, so uh, interesting. Some other interesting bits and pieces. So uh, 2 million users were added in the last year alone. 26.6 uh, million open banking payments have been made by the end of 2021, which is a 500% increase on the prior year. And again, I think that's indicative of the direction of travel. I mean, we've seen a huge boom in open banking payments, particularly on the business side. Lots of apps in that space that have, that have come from nowhere almost. So really, really interesting. You know, the most used products are personal finance apps and bank feeds, which again, sort of is indicative of, of, of where everything started from. And I use a personal finance app myself, which is an open banking one. Previously wasn't, but that's again, just the direction of travel and some really exciting things coming down the track for open banking over the next six months or so. So watch this space really. And then connected to open banking, Inflow Treasury uh, has just been released. So anyone who works as an auditor may well be familiar with Inflow, which is um, uh, data analytics and audit methodology file suite uh, that's been around now for about four years or so. They, again, have followed the market really in terms of starting to use open banking for confirmation of bank balances and also starting to do some analytics around bank transactions. So again, this kind of follows what we're seeing with Circuit, who are probably the market leader on this in the UK, but also confirmation.com who uh, have been in the, the wider bank confirmation market for a long time and have also just started to pick this up. So some interesting times in the audit space, everyone is trying to uh, grab their piece of the market at the moment. Definitely be something we probably need to get on the show at some point and a discussion on 
on audit. So pivoting away from that, we've got a few new apps that have come onto the Zero App Store, not, not Marketplace anymore. Over summer, there was loads that hit. Um, if you listen to one of our earlier shows, you would have uh, heard us go through those. Not so many um, that have come over probably the last three, four months. But I thought I'd touch on a few of those. We've got Comma or Use Comma that we've, we've discussed before. We've got Tim, the Instant Messenger um, that John and I have worked on. Definitely worth checking both of those out. And then there was a few others I just wanted to pick up on. There was one called Beacon, which is a CRM for uh, charities, similar to Infoodle, probably one of, the, one of the first competitors to Infoodle that have come to the App Store. You've got Red Store, which is a zero data backup. You may have heard us talk about Rewind, which is over in America and well, in the North American area which does the same thing. And you've got back up my books over this side. You've now got Red Store that can do the same. And you've got Xpos, which is a golf retail system. So if you're in the golf space, please check out Xpos. And then one other one, which I found very niche, which is one called OutFund, which was the ability to get growth capital specifically for e-commerce businesses. Now, I believe that actually the integration is purely about proving what you're doing so that you can secure that finance rather than a specific app that you would use in conjunction with that. It's, it's more to, um, I guess, verify it, secure it, and then continue um, verifying as you are making payments. Oh, that's interesting. And how does OutFund work? I mean, how, what are they financing there? It's like a credit line. From my understanding, it's looking at your predictability of what's coming in and going out. So I do know a couple of e-commerce related uh, businesses that I've pointed in that direction. Um, and it does look really interesting if you have an e-commerce business that, and there is some level of sales data that you can show. Obviously, the zero data is important to show that predictability. And then it makes an assessment based on that information. And then it offers you what is a credit facility. Yeah, I, I believe that this is the focus area because obviously e-commerce has boomed. And so you've got specific funders that are coming and going. We want to capitalize on this, do something very specific, niche it. Um, and make some money on those that do very well. And I think it's quite, you know, they're using data to, to secure this. So they're doing it in a very educated way. That is yeah, the it's way interesting. forward. <clears throat> it is the way forward. I mean, I, I've seen, I don't know if you guys have seen, but I've seen a very similar product called Pipe. It seems to have like absolutely bombarded all my social feeds with, with marketing at the moment, which um, funds high growth SaaS businesses and effectively uh, lending based on um, you know their recurring revenue streams or the predicted recurring revenue streams. Really interesting that they're using that data. Well, I think that's actually. I think we might see more of this going forward. You've you've had you know traditional lenders then going into wider, um, I guess, digital focus, like to capitalise, etc. Now you're going niche. So I guess we'll see more of that going forward. Anyway, has anyone got anything else? <laughs> Some updates from Cresco. Uh, so again, another open banking app that, that Ryan and I have been involved with in the early days. So they recently released uh, recurring payments within their platform. So they are effectively you know, competing with the likes of Go Cardless and Stripe and others in that space. So working on the sales side. So they reckon that they're the first company to start offering recurring payments via open banking, which I think is definitely interesting. And we're going to see much more of that coming coming soon. They've also released a multi-company management area with staff management. So that, that's good for, for people like uh, ourselves or accountants who are wanting to manage more than one company on the platform and just you know, help clients get set up, et cetera. And they've also hired their first CFO, Chief Financial Officer, Ivalina or Ivalina Delcheva. So um, uh, yeah, exciting times for them and good to see some, some strong growth. 
Uh, just a quick update as well on some new releases. So Float Cashflow Management has released a scenario planning functionality at the end of 2021. So for those who would um, want to use the tool and Unleashed has released a BI Vision which helps to set sales targets, track performance with notifications, and also they've got a new Shopify integration. Both of those are interesting. Float, I think, is probably reacting a bit to what Futurely have done um, and Fathom with a scenario playing. Um, but Float has still looked at very positively in the marketplace. So it's good that they're developing it further. But something on a negative side that I wanted to actually bring up is we're still experiencing issues between the auto entry and zero connection. Uh, I know on a previous podcast, I had reported that this had been resolved and it had, it was working fine. And now it's completely broken again. Um, it seems to be happening regularly, which is painful. And I know of some accounting firms have actually decided this is now, this is uh, not tenuous anymore. And or they can't use it anymore. So they've moved away from auto entry. So if you are experiencing issues, please reach out to your account manager. Hopefully it's something that can be resolved. And then just one interesting raise so live flow has raised 3.5 million dollars in seed funding it's a custom reporting tool with connections to accounting banks and payment platforms very interesting for those and going back to your earlier point around outfund very interesting for those sorts of companies who are looking to use alternative finance because it helps keep the data up to date and that is the most important part of making sure that you get access to alternative funding is to have a good link between the accounts data the banking data and any payment platforms indeed they have quickbooks and zero integrations and then their banking connections are provided through plaid so yeah useful for the fairly standard cloud tools that are out there but um we're seeing a whole host of new reporting apps sort of come into the market recently which is really interesting because i think a lot of accountants maybe thought that 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 side of the market was sewn up but clearly there's still a demand you know live flow is one of probably three or four products that i'm aware of that have been around and the come to fruition in the last 12 months or so they're trying to disrupt uh, probably the, the incumbents alike sort of spotlight and, and futurely fathom etc so still obviously clearly demand there from businesses and from their advisors for, for something a little bit more I, I think Alistair summed it up quite well on the on the last podcast which is that accountants are never satisfied and reporting seems to be the key one for that so I don't think that will ever stop on something that's not I guess specific app news but for general awareness Amazon is stopping accepting visa credit card payments from the 19th of January so if you do have a visa credit card linked to your Amazon account you need to update that. You can either switch it to a debit account um, or to MasterCard, but otherwise it's not going to work. And that also counts for Amazon Prime. So if you've got a subscription for Amazon Prime, you will lose your subscription if you don't update that. So please go ahead and sort that out. Why? Why you should sort it out or why, why? the fees from Visa are too high. So they're basically going, we're not paying this anymore. We're going to force you to use something else to punish Visa for putting their fees up so high. Yeah, Amazon have thrown the toys out of the pram, basically. And because um, I think uh, I think Visa are one of the few card providers that don't refund the charges if there's a if there's a customer refund. But it's it's all complete bollocks anyway because everyone knows that Amex charge much more than others. So this is just Amazon trying to you know encroach on Visa's Visa's market. Bear in mind Wait, also that yeah. Amazon have a tie up with both Amex and Mastercard for their own branded cards. Exactly. Uh... That's what I was thinking. We wait for the Amazon card, shall we? 
It's not app-related, but of interest, the recruitment firm Robert Walters is predicting a 10 to 15% increase in salaries focused on white collars such as accountants. Based on job adverts with accountants lagging behind solicitors, which has seen a 50% rise in some areas. Admittedly, most increases seen for new starters with at least 5% for existing. Talent acquisition is the issue here. Um, no, but seriously, on that, I thought that was really interesting. I was going to message you both and say, hey, quids in, you do a job raise. Because I saw that most starting solicitors now are getting 150,000 as their salary. Something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah they're, they're saying that actually the uh, what they haven't, what businesses or firms are advertising for is now outstripping what some um, existing employees are on. So they're expecting um, existing employees to get a boost because otherwise everyone's going to leave. They'll just start, you know, increase movement because people just move to, to increase their salary again. Um, surely it's, it's a global workforce these days. I mean, are um, you looking for more offshore, outsourced? I know we are. We're looking for offshore. It's quite a political. Um, that's quite a political issue. I think. I think. I think it depends on. Yes. It, yes. It, we do have a global workforce, and yes, you can out, outsource or offshore some of the work. But you know, the the talent war really at the moment is happening at the qualified specialist level, and you know, when you get to that level, it does tend to be uh, you know territory specific. So. Um, you know, if we're looking for someone who can advise on UK taxes, we're not going to be recruiting someone from America, Australia, etc. Um, uh, but I, I do also think, I mean, you know, these stats are interesting and they're very exciting, but, you know, it's um, sad off. Um, it's, um, you know, I think the key thing is is that there's been a talent war in, in the industry for, for 10 years plus and, you know, salaries are always going to go up but it's driven by the big the big firms not the mid-tier and smaller firms are you saying the job's planned anyway <laughs> your words not mine are you on OnlyFans now I've, no i'm waiting for you Is to activate my account i don't know i've never <laughs> been onto it joint credit cards keep you honest and that's all i'm saying indy what are you messaging us now is John saying silly things like oil and I'm like what you don't know what that is snake oil no old and unloaded oh I didn't know that I didn't even know what that meant and no (laughs) god we've gone down a rabbit hole of you two talking intense tech haven't we (laughs) yeah Um, I mean we're talking about it but it's funny for me it's 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 for me like I I get into tech but it's usually (coughs) when I've got like a pain point which is what I found difficult about the coding bootcamp, I think, to some degree, because you're you're learning about code, but like I need to know how it's useful for something that I'm doing in my life. And then I go next level. Otherwise, yeah. I really struggle. Like I really struggle. It's like, you know, we might talk about it, but being in audit at the London Stock Exchange wasn't cool for me. I didn't really know what I, what I, what I was doing and how the relevance I had for delivering value to the world. But when I'm sat opposite a founder who's producing a product that I love, then I have a direct and I can, and they're struggling to get any insights around his cash flow. I can have a direct relationship. I know what I'm doing, how yeah. it impacts on someone directly. And that drives yeah, me. Same. I think it's it was the one thing I said at accounting web when people were like, when, when I really, when people said like, what's your advice for people if they're looking to adopt new technology? And I was like, I'm kind of going to go a bit kind of 
rogue on this, but ultimately you just need to care more about clients and the work you do. And if you don't, then you need to understand why you don't and try and deal with that first, because that is the root cause of then what ultimately, or the root, the root of what then enables you or drives you to go and be curious about technology, about doing things better. Because when you look, when you're working people that you care about, you usually really care about wanting to deliver better to them. And then that starts the whole process of curiosity and, and innovation. Definitely. Great. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. What the hell was that? Oh, was that ding. you again? Just, just a late ding. Sorry. <laughs> it was just uh, just in case, you know, yes wasn't okay for you. There you go. There's a ding. You can have a Mario ding as well if I've got one of them. There you go. There's a Mario. All I right. can tell that this is going <laughs> to throw me during this. <laughs> I, won't do that. I won't do it again. Do it, do it all the time, Dave. <laughs> just randomly throw them in. So thanks, Dave, for coming on. Um, it's going to be really interesting to dive into some of the details. I know that probably most of the people in this in the accountant space are going to know you because of your setup and your stream decks and a little bit about your, your DJing. Um, but I'm well aware that you're a chartered accountant. Um, you run your own practice, which you've talked about, um, and you, it's about two and a half years old, I believe. So set up not that long before this whole pandemic kicked off. Um, and I believe you also trained at PwC. But before we dive into any of that, something that I picked up in some of the content you've put out there is this concept of flow that you talk about and reducing friction points in work. And so it'd be really interesting for you to kind of talk a bit about that so I can understand a bit more. And so can our listeners. Yeah, yeah, of course. So this whole concept of flow, or I guess what led to me starting to use this device called the Stream Deck, which we'll come on to, really evolved from my time as a head of finance in industry. So I moved into industry four years after I, I started PwC. So just after I qualified, shortly went into kind of founder own businesses. And that's when I felt like I was just, although I enjoyed it much more than I was enjoying in kind of larger businesses as a management accountant, it was overwhelming in terms of workload. And so there was this kind of constant kind of, um, journey to find a more efficient way to do things and I was you know it was great to find zero in the cloud ecosystem and that kind of kept me busy for a while and in creating efficiencies around using cloud technology during a fundraise working all nighters on a, on a financial model and I just thought this is just ridiculous like I've got all these efficiencies I'm doing all these things with cloud technology I've kind of done everything I possibly can to try and be efficient and I still feel like I'm the last person in the office I still feel like I'm, I'm never good enough I'm never getting enough value across to the founder I'm always missing deadlines and through no real fault of my own, I just still felt like I wasn't doing enough. And I felt frustrated that it just felt so hectic. Accounting work, I don't know how to to put it, but obviously accountants will be able to relate. It just felt so hectic. Um, And it really hit home when when I was doing the financial modeling stuff, when you're constantly, you're playing the keyboard, like literally like a piano and you're, moving the, the mouse around you navigating between apps and I had so many of those kind of moments of kind of frustration whether it be logging onto the bank or opening up all these different apps or having to remember all these different shortcuts and I don't know I'm there are sure there are parallels to other industries but it felt really significant in the accounting space and I wanted to try and kind of solve this problem and the first time I realized that there was a way in which we could solve it was when I, I started working with a videographer he was using a gaming mouse and he was using the buttons on that to help him with the flow of how he initiated certain actions and, and, and automations and and that started my journey with this whole thing so would you say 
to summarize, I guess what flow is then it's, it's that ability to continue in process without having to do those mundane, simple tasks. Is that what you define flow as? Yeah. Well, obviously I've given the context of accounting there, but it can be anywhere in life where you just feel those moments of like, Oh, like frustration, yeah. any, any area of friction that kind of just, yeah, gives evokes that kind of emotion. Any moment where you just think, Oh, that's annoying. <laughs> Literally yeah. that. And, and, and how can you, take those moments out so that at no point in your day are you feeling those like mini like feelings of like frustration with things that could that are kind of causing friction for you and yeah. so it, yeah so when you take those out when you take all those mini areas of friction out obviously then you by default create this sense of flow you know the space we're at there's there's a lot of when we talk about it on the, the show a lot there's a lot of annoyance that comes where you've got an app that's doing 90 percent of what you want it to do and there's a there's a void being able to fill that void in an automatic way would be brilliant and i assume that's probably some of the, the things that you've managed to to solve but before we kind of dive more into flow i know you um you're using specific tech to kind of deal with this and that i believe is called the elgato stream deck hopefully that's correct is that right dave yeah that's the one. yeah and um you've kind of taken the use of this to a whole new level which hopefully you'll be able to, to show us but can you talk a bit about what that tech is and how you have or initially, I guess, started using it to solve this problem of flow. Yeah, yeah, cool. So yeah, the, El the Elgato Stream Deck who are owned by Corsair. So they're largely known for kind of creating gaming-focused hardware. They're massive. They're a listed company in the US. Yeah, essentially this device, and maybe I'll just share my screen for those people who are watching. And I'll try and zoom in on one here because I've got so many of them. But essentially what it is, is an LC, it's a, it's a pad. So those are those essentially are C3 buttons behind uh, and behind there is an LCD screen. And as you move um, from one application to another, these buttons or what it shows behind there will change and you can customize the icons that it shows. And when you press these buttons, they'll do basically whatever you want them to do. So you can do things like create folders. Um, you can launch web pages. You can send tech, tech strings, you can launch folders, files, and pretty much map any hotkey you want to them. And you can do and you can also do variants of these. So you can pull together all, all one of these actions or many of these actions in a row using things like delays. And essentially it provides a no-code mechanism really to tap into this kind of mystified world of macros and automations. And so typically you, you would have seen kind of advanced tech guys creating macros and benefiting from automations and initiating all these scripts. And this really is a way for normal people who don't have this tech expertise to tap into these ideas, these, these, these sort of automations. And so what you can then do is combine it with other bits of code and we can talk about that, but, but essentially it's that, it's a pad that allows you to initiate actions, whatever that may be. Yeah, so when I look at it, it looks to me like a programmable keyboard that has visuals to it. So I, you can put the visuals so you know what it is. It's not just a, a, a number of a letter and then you can, tell i guess the system what that button's going to do is that is that correct exactly yeah pretty Absolutely. much um, and it has a software that comes with the, with the tool that allows you to to essentially set up how you want to so yeah elgato or stream deck have their own software which you go into and i'm constantly in and out of that creating buttons and then uh, you map them onto your your stream deck so just so people know there's there's a few different types of stream deck there's the 15 button which is in front of me there and then there's like an excel version for those i guess that aren't on the um the video what i think dave just showed us is 
of 20-ish stream decks. Is that right? I, I mean, I have around 26 now. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I started and... with one. I started with one. I was using. I mean, that's the important thing that I always stress to people is I started with one for around about a year. I was using one 15 button yeah. stream deck on my setup, and you know it was probably two two and a half years before I ever thought about doing anything crazy like putting more than three on my desk. And then the thing is with this this concept is that the 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 ideas just flow, and so as you put more in front of you, you kind of become inspired by the things you can do with them. And each one of those stream decks has 24 buttons on it. Is that right? 20, so 15 20. on the normal one and 32 on the large one. And then you can embed okay. things like folders within that, different profiles. So you can press a button, it can change what it shows. There's a lot of ways you can be creative with that interface to do more than, because someone might be saying, well, that's kind of just similar to any pad that you can, that you can allocate a, a workflow to or an action to. The diff, I guess the key difference here is it has the ability to be so much more than that pad because it's contextual to the program you're in. So as you move from say Outlook into Chrome, into Excel, Notion, the they will change, will change what you see and they'll be contextual to that, that program. So as you press the button, it will show different buttons which will be contextual to that program. So, and then you can create folders within it. So you could, okay. a 15 button stream deck could be like hundreds if not thousands of actual, actions. actions across all your yeah. applications. Because I know they're, they're not particularly cheap from my understanding um, at Stream Deck. So it's an investment. And so you're not locked to just the 20 or 30 odd options. You, you know, you can do way more with it. Um, but I guess putting that back to some of what you said earlier and things we've talked about on the show previously, which is robotic process automation, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, that programmable language to, to, op to automate some of what you do. Yep. From what you're talking about with the Elgato, this is kind of a hardware option four parts of that is that correct or is, am i completely well no i mean you know i don't i don't use a lot of rpa to be honest i'm probably like a lot of people i don't even really necessarily know what it means for my workflow personally but i but my understanding is it's more kind of software to software and perhaps on a bigger scale than than maybe i work with my clients and you know i'm working with many clients across smaller kind of workflows if you like or smaller systems um, whereas RPA has the ability to work on much bigger scale and becomes much more relevant and useful at that scale. My understanding is it's more software to software. There is so much talk about software to software automation, you know, APIs and RPA and, you know, things like Zapier, et cetera. But where there is very little um, conversation is around the efficiency between what we're thinking we want to do, okay, the human and the software. So this is really tapping into automation in what would normally be human actions so i kind of that's why i refer when people see me talking about stream deck about the automation of on the fly kind of workflow on the fly micro kind of actions so it could be something as simple as well how do you apply rpa to launching a client zero file and then when you launch that zero file it then brings up all the reports that you can then launch and then when you bring up the reports you can then launch them instantly these are really micro actions right these aren't things that you can well, if you want to customize an RPA to do that, you'd be doing it forever. By the time you do customize the RPA to do it, then there'll be a new flow that you want to add in. So it's really, it's much more tapping into that, the more micro yeah. element and very much the digital interface. So how do humans now who are the key bottleneck to efficiency, we've done so much in software to software and there's so much work going on there, but where is the work going on with regard to how we interface with? You're right on that. RPA has always come across, at least to myself, that it works well on, very repetitive tasks that are done on a big scale by usually a big team 
And what you're talking about is how an individual can automate their own actions, um, not necessarily replicating that for many people, um, but anything that they want to do, they do quite regularly themselves and they want to do a quick fix for, that's something that the Elgato could. Yeah, and the key uh, point is really, really, really fast to set up. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's yeah, so, the thing. These things are very, very easy to set up, um, whereas RPA is more difficult and obviously really, really expensive. So on that, you say it's really easy to set up. Obviously, it looks complicated, but you've got a lot going on there. When you got the first one and you had to learn how to use the system, how long did it take you before you were fully using like one, one stream deck and, and really understanding how that, that tool itself worked? Yeah, well, this is one of the issues. And obviously, you know, this is the, the main feedback that I get from people when they look at my setup and they go, wow, it's just so overwhelming. It's like really complicated. And then often I, you know, my first reaction is also to say, well, when you actually understand how this works, it's quite, it's kind of quite funny or, and, and ironic what you're telling me, which is this is complicated because what these buttons do is they have an icon on them that tells you what they do. And then when you press it, it does it. It's like the most intuitive software and hardware that exists, period, in the world. Like a button that says what it's going to do and you press it and it does it. So, I mean, it looks complicated, but the reality of it is it's actually simplifying the process. And actually, I think the future of this is in massively creating more simplification in processes and SOPs and that kind of thing. But in terms of where my journey with it, like 100%, like I have empathy with people when they go, I don't really know where to start. I'm not sure how you'd use this. I bought this because I thought it looked cool and I wanted it to, And I, but I did also see a couple of functions where I could extend what I was doing my gaming mouse onto this device. My journey really was for like four weeks, two of them sitting next to my desk and me just work, trying to think about how the hell I could use this that would actually benefit me in any way. And for, you know, in the immediate sense, it was just launching some sites. It was writing some text strings and, I would say it probably took me at least six months for me to really start feeling like this is having huge benefits to me beyond just this is a gimmick. So is it fair to say that the actual programming language that supports the Elgato system is quite intuitive, but the concept of how you use it effectively is the bit that takes, your, takes a while for your mind to get around? Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty straightforward. To, don't get me wrong, it could be significantly better. And I think, you know, there's definitely huge friction around the onboarding process with, with Stream Deck in terms of configuring things. Although it is still intuitive, it still takes a long time to create something. And I think something that's, that's underrated in terms of importance for something like Stream Deck is like develop, creating a good icon, creating something that looks good. And that makes you want to use it, makes it more intuitive, it makes it clearer to see where things are. And that takes time. So yeah, the actual software is pretty intuitive. But you're absolutely right. I think probably the most common thing that I see people say when I put my setup or pictures of it out or people say, oh, right, you know, Stream Dex is interesting for finance. The, most people will say, I literally have no idea how you'd use this for finance. Can you please elaborate on the ways that you use it? You know, I'm sitting here with literally thousands of workflows and um, a lot of people can't seem to think of one way that you'd use but it. I think, like you said, though, to be, to be fair, it took you six months to get in that way of thinking. I think maybe it's training the brain because we all get used to um, just operating in a, in a way we know that the system yeah. will work and then trying to untrain our brain to go, just because the system's telling us it should work that way doesn't mean that, that is the best way to operate. So it sounds like once you get there, once you overcome that initial hurdle, then you kind of fly with it. 
you're right it's a mindset shift because you just don't when you don't know technology exists to do something you've never thought about obviously using it to do that you you don't know what you don't know taking that back to the fact that you you started your county practice two and a half years ago what like six months before lockdown maybe nine months before lockdown um it was a year before yeah the year before um has the having the elgato set up had a dramatic effect on how you can run your business and allowed you to do more um through a lockdown period that maybe you wouldn't have been able to do i ended up going for it with SIGGROWTH because there was initially i wanted to just i mean i enjoy creating content and i don't have enough time to do it at the moment but hopefully this year i will have more, much more time to do it but i enjoy creating content and initially i wanted SIGGROWTH to just be that like a content project and maintain being ahead of finance in industry just but when i found stream deck that was probably the key motivator to go this device can actually change everything particularly in multi-client workflow and I use a bunch of other stuff alongside Stream Deck, different code, and obviously the cloud ecosystem and all the as much progressive technologies I can to, to optimize on top of Stream Deck. But it is the single most transformational tool that I use, probably alongside how, I using, how I'm using Excel. It's at least 100% additional output using these decks. So to give you like an example, and I was thinking about this earlier, I'm, I'm like, is that, is that realistic? And I was like, yeah, it is. If you were to give me two hours and say, get as far as you can with creating this financial model for this client. I am telling you realistically that if you gave me the option to have to wait for an hour and then to use stream decks, I believe I'd be as far along with that process as if I didn't use stream decks and did it for two hours. I guess the benefit is that you can then use what you've set up in stream decks to repeat that process again. So you're saving that time every time. Um, So you're investing that hour, saves you an hour on the first client, but you're also then saving time going forward yeah so the example i gave there was literally me not doing anything in that first hour so basically just making the point Uh, that i think i could achieve just as much in an hour as i could with two hours without using a stream deck and i think really importantly there it's not just about saying oh so you can work twice as quick it's not just about that it's about staying focused and non-distracted so how often are you given two hours and you're distracted you're procrastinating you're moving to something else and you're hard to get back to it or you can't work out to do a shortcut and then you've got to go and research it or whatever it is it's it's a combination of speed and this idea of flow so staying in motion because everything's succinct and beautiful and enjoyable and and more user friendly so but yeah the second part of obviously that is going well great dave great example but you've got to invest time into this product in order for you to get to the point where you can have that gain so that is obviously the caveat to this that huge amounts of hours um, have been invested by me over four years into developing the workflows and you know working for myself means that every time I find something where I go that could be automated I stop and I create it or I research how to create it so for instance recently I found god I'm doing a lot of like saving to CSV and then importing it into somewhere or exporting it well couldn't you just press a button that exports that C- CSV saves it the same name as the tab and then opens up um, the location that I want to export it into. And for me, invariably, that's manual journal import in zero or bank yeah. import in zero. And so now I have buttons. So I stopped and I was like, okay, I'm going to work out how to do this. And I found a way using a combination of VBA, auto hotkey, and Stream Deck automation that allows me to press a button. It will save the CSV, won't change the underlying file, which I know is annoying for a lot of accountants because it saves it and you've got to go back into it if you want to keep using it. So it leaves it alone, it saves it as another file, calls the file the name of that tab, 
it opens the folder where that's just been saved into because I want to open that folder so I can drag it into where I want to import it into. And depending on what button I press, it will open up the manual journal import in zero. So bang, saves it, opens up the folder, opens up the web page, drag, done. And so that, that's just an example of kind of one scenario where I'll have to stop, but that took me a while to create. But every time you've created that, I mean, it's huge, huge gains. Yeah. It sounds like the, uh, the, biggest, the biggest impact on your flow nowadays is the epitome you, epiphany you get of wanting to create a, an automation for your Elgato stream deck and then going off and, and doing that. Um, so I assume it's once you get there, it becomes quite addictive. But you said earlier about saving an hour um, and I guess something that we we touched on earlier that that you you do in your spare time is is DJ. Do you use your stream decks for DJing as well? I only use them currently for the live streaming aspect of it, so moving around camera angles and stuff. So I don't yet. I think there's definitely use there are use cases for them in in DJing. What I will say is that the inspiration for the workflow massively comes from. DJing. When I was in those moments of thinking, I don't necessarily massively enjoy accountancy workflow, but I tell you one which I do enjoy is DJing workflow, and it is workflow because I also get paid to do that as well. And it's also you know, and it's it's a type of work, but it's way more enjoyable. It's way more efficient to do it using, you know, a set of decks. And if you were to tell me, Dave, you can't, you cannot use a set of decks for the rest of your DJing career, and you have to use your laptop which is fine, right? Because you're playing from your laptop anyway. It's just connected to your decks. Is that all right? I would say categorically, no, I'm going to give up DJing. And that's yeah. when I started to question why did I give that response and started to think, well, is there a technology that is comparable that I could apply to professional work? And then, you know, my mindset was, well, not really, because it's much more complicated than DJing. And then obviously that, that brought the inspiration. When I, when I saw Stream Deck, I was like, that's yeah. it. Well, that's the exact device. But given the way that it evolves based on what application you're in and is contextual and can, you know, you can set up in a bespoke way, it's the exact device that mimics this tactile device and more creative way of working, but is flexible enough to apply to professional work. So yeah, ironically, the, the inspiration came from there, but I don't necessarily use it in DJing because basically a set of decks is pretty much the same concept. Yeah, no, already. I can... I wish I knew enough about DJing to say I understood that, um, <laughs> but I definitely don't. But talking about DJing, um, if for any of those, any of the listeners that went to the Digital Accounting Show after party or I believe it was accounting went live, you were DJing there. Do you feel you'll be continuing to do that shows? You've been asked to, to do that any any shows in the future? Hopefully, yeah. I mean, obviously we're talking about Stream Decks today, but you know, there's a wider thing, wider kind of journey for me where I really love talking about and the stream decks obviously times is like creativity and, and and this aspect and bringing this more into to everything in our life and, and in particularly accounting in a positive way not a negative creative accounting way and so i yeah i really want to fly the flag for that and it's brilliant actually there's been a lot of interest in when i got on the decks and other people wanting to get involved in the accounting community and me and jordan obviously went back to back at uh, a little bit of digital accounting show and then recently accounting web live and it was it was awesome like it was amazing the kind of world of accounting in the community has definitely changed. And I feel like Digital Accounting Show was quite pivotal for that. And I think that's continued with Accounting Web and this kind of stuff and having, you know, 
people behind the decks that you know and the accountants are in the community i think it just makes the the experience so much like cooler and uh it was definitely a good vibe i think i might ruin the vibe slightly by asking for <laughs> sweet caroline at the uh at the digital county show so i apologize to anyone else that had to suffer that um but bringing this i guess towards more of a close you've already given a great example of how um, anyone that's starting um, into this can use stream deck to automate flow via the, the zero um statement uploads um but We've also talked about the fact that it can be quite challenging to get involved in this. You've created so many flows. Are you now exploring how um, you can pass that information um, either, you know, via consultancy or, or free to other people, yeah. how you can support them in this journey? Yeah, totally. Obviously, I put some teasers out during 2021 and I think before that as well as the kind of ways in which I use it. But it's not enough. It's nowhere near enough. And it really is just that, to be honest, to to just show people what's possible so that they can become a bit more interested in the concept because it only becomes really viable or worthwhile if people are interested in this technology, which I believe they should be and I want them to be because it's incredible. And I have, uh, I would say, a close relationship with the sort of senior guys at, at Elgato and Corsair. And I'm in talks with them and very, very open with them about the, the shortcomings of the products for accountants. They want more finance people. They see the potential in, in the space. They want to support that. So that's one part of what I'm working on is how can we make this more accessible? How can we do more to support, you know, better onboarding, more education, more resources, more content? That's one of the aspects. The other aspect is I believe that, that, that the technology actually just needs to evolve significantly. So my future vision for this is a platform where people, if say they're using, I don't know, anything, zero, go proposal, um, Dext, Excel, G Sheets, they can go onto the platform and they can actually find already created workflows either by the software company themselves or by users on the platform and they can pull them into their decks immediately. When you look at someone like me who's created thousands of workflows, what happens if you open that up to the whole world and get other people like me creating thousands of workflows with the ability to share? I mean, I'm thinking like you log on in the morning and you see someone who's done a really cool flow in Excel for management, for creating management reports in Australia, and you can instantly download that. So that's kind of where I think this goes. And, and also when you build this technology in the cloud with a better connectivity to the software, you can start to tap into things like the kind of flow you get when you use your iPhone. So not only are you initiating yeah. a workflow, but you're actually receiving information. Things like KPIs from Xero, alerts from Slack or WhatsApp or your emails that you press and it takes you straight there. In the future, some sometime, you know, I definitely see this um, progressing into actually, guys, it doesn't matter how you initiate this workflow. The main value is the workflow. How you choose to initiate it is up to you. And that really opens the doors to things like augmented reality, mixed reality, VR, which people don't necessarily know how we use in accounting. Well, this is how it could be used in accounting. We're dropping all the buzzwords now in the, in the pod. Um, <laughs> Why not so towards the end? <laughs> so I think a marketplace is what's really going to help um, you know, push this to a level where everyone can get involved in it. Isn't, it won't have such a, a, I guess, a high barrier of entry, um, similar to what Zapier have done with their zaps and, and connections and making the way of linking different systems to, together in a really efficient manner. I know we could talk about this, this for hours and go down the rabbit hole of how we can build each one. Um, so I think we, we should bring that to a close now. And thank you very much, Dave, for you're definitely the expert in this space. And a lot of people that, you know, entering 2022, thinking about how do they become more efficient. It sounds like approaching or at least researching stream decks and how to use them um, is worth their effort. I think so. And hopefully it's just given a little bit more insight on top of what they might have already seen from me. 
And obviously just keep an eye on my LinkedIn because I'll be updating through 2022. Thanks very much, Dave. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> okay, so that wraps up uh, today's part. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed uh, the updates and the news and also hearing from, from Dave. Always super insightful and really exciting to hear what he's getting up to, what he's done and where the future lies. So if you want to get hold of any of the presenters, any of us, uh, feel free to do so. Reach out to us on, on LinkedIn. Check out the website, which is digitalsinacruel.world or find us on Twitter as well. We've all got crazy names, so it's quite easy to find us. Dave, if uh, if listeners want to get hold of you, where's the best place to find you, mate? To be honest, probably LinkedIn. So yeah, go check out my LinkedIn profile and yeah, best place to see what I'm up to. Super. And definitely worth checking out Dave's LinkedIn because it's got loads of content, loads of videos, all sorts of exciting stuff. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, we do have a sponsorship pack now for anyone that's interested. As always, we're always looking for new referrals, new listeners, everything else. So check us out and get in touch. Thank you very much.